0: All right. Welcome to the real and real estate podcast hosted by yours. Truly Lindsay Prino, a realtor in Tampa Bay, Florida. This podcast was created to bring awareness of what real estate agents actually do and some other helpful insights in the industry for the average person. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at St Pete real estate. All right. So today's topic, very excited about it. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to try to keep it as simple as possible, but it's about property and flood insurance. Um, This is something that in Tampa Bay, it's being heavily talked about, especially in Shore acres right now in a piece of, um, Northeast St. Pete, where we're seeing, there was a lot of flooding from the last hurricane, Adalia, there's some fires. So everybody is talking about their policies. Um, we've also seen in the last couple of years that a lot of Florida insurance companies have pulled out of the market. So we're going to get into some of the gritty details on that. Um, but my whole goal for today is to give you some basics, right? Whether you own a property or own real estate in St. Pete, or you're just kind of tapping into that market, um, you know, what property insurance is, why it's important, flood insurance. We're gonna talk to a company that I use pretty frequently, Um, and they've been incredible, FSI. So we have Michael Puffer here. How are you doing? Good, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for Um, having me. I've actually worked with his wife, Heather. She came to one of the events. We actually had Rachel sailor Brown on a couple episodes prior. She's a lender. Um, she holds this event called women in real estate and it was so awesome. Heather was there. We're going to have to have her on at some point. (laughs) We'll do like a deal with you guys, (laughs) um, give her the confidence to come out. But, um, that's where I originally met her and she was giving me some insight when I first started out in the real estate industry, just about how, if somebody has a policy, flood insurance policy, they can actually transfer it to that new home that they're purchasing, right? Like the seller has the flood and in, flood insurance policy, the new buyer. It can actually be transferred to them.
1: That's correct. I mean, at this point with flood rating risk 2.0, when the NFIP and FEMA kind of changed the guidelines, mm-hmm. it's almost imperative that you transfer the flood policy okay. because almost every single one of the policies that we've written technically has grandfathered rates and if you don't assume the policy that new purchase of a flood policy is going to be at a full risk rating
0: super expensive
1: very expensive so there is a way and there's a way for there to be a glide path so that is just definitely one of the things that hopefully every agent should know we found that they don't but something that we do every single time.
0: She, I think I had come up to her and I said something about flood insurance, right? Like I'm trying to find out as you're navigating the real estate industry, you're trying to find as many partners to work with as possible, right? That are reputable, that help spread knowledge, right? And not just are like, okay, we need this lender and they're gonna, you know, provide somebody with a mortgage or we need this insurance company. Like I want to make a difference in the real estate industry. And Heather did that just by, providing basic knowledge that no insurance company had told me prior that I worked with. And so that's knowledge for me, right? To go to my clients and say, hey, did you know that this was possible? And it saves them money on the back end. So she gave me knowledge right off the bat. I was like, yes, Heather, <laughs> we're gonna work together. Every single person on your team that I've worked with so far has been so efficient in getting quotes back um, incredible in just like calling my clients and explaining to them, what the policy is like. You guys are relationship based people and I love that. So good. But yeah, give us some background about FSI, who you are maybe a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked earlier just about your background, but yeah, Yeah. give us an intro.
1: First, thanks for having me on. Um, We do have a lot to talk about. There's a lot that's going on. We are in the middle of hurricane season and it has been very active up to this point. But, um, <clears throat> my background, uh, for the most part, while I've been in the business industry has been in insurance, uh, I've been with a partner with Florida strategic insurance since 2012, uh, two other partners, Chris Weaver and Dave Reno. And, um, we've grown the business really by, uh, supporting real estate agents and lenders with new purchases of properties in Florida. Florida is an Island when it comes to insurance and most other things. We just found a way to, uh, make sure that our clients that we work with are get taken care of every single time. And it's amazing when you do that, your business grows. And then we've just continued to bring in great people. Heather was one of the ones that came in there. She was much better than I ever was as an agent, so I'm glad that, And you know, then you got hitched to her. <laughs> I got hitched to her. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, everything has been great. But uh, the, the real estate market always seems to be a little bit interesting, and uh, surprisingly – about five to six years ago, we were in what was called a really soft market. So there was a lot of insurance companies, premiums were going down year over year, citizens wasn't that heavily populated, but very quickly things changed. And uh, I guess we're definitely gonna talk about that a little bit later. Um, In the beginning though, you mentioned Hurricane Adalia. So I just, before we get off of that subject or go too far down the road, uh, that uh, thankfully missed us again. I don't know what we have in the Tampa Bay area that keeps protecting us, but it is not going to be pretty. <laughs> the Indian burial mounds. <laughs> <Yes>. That's right. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> we skirted Adalia again, but there was a substantial amount of flooding because of the water that was pushed into our bay mm-hmm. and the lowest lying areas, shore acres being one of them saw again, some pretty substantial flooding now. Most of those people have flood policies and so they are going to have protection. The one thing that the flood policy does not afford that a homeowner's policy affords is loss of use coverage. So when these people have to leave their homes, they're not going to have, they're going to have to come out of pocket to find living arrangements elsewhere, Mm -hmm. which if there was a hurricane that hit, you're going to have wind typically and flooding, which your home policy will cover loss of use. Um, but there are a lot of things that are going on in shore acres right now that are hurting some of those people that have those flood policies. But sadly in those areas, the NFIP is the only policy they're really gonna be able to get. And so, um, you know, hopefully things will get taken care of pretty quickly in that area. But there are a number of coverages in the policy that uh, are very important. Mm -hmm. The flood doesn't really have many of those at all.
0: Okay, and let's break (laughs) it down too for people that just know that the home buying or selling process, their lender tells them, hey, you need insurance, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What What do they even need to know about the basics, right? So if you're financing a home, somebody is giving you money for you to purchase that house. And they want to say, if I'm giving you this money, I want to make sure that if something happens to it, right, that it's insured that my money isn't just going to go away, right? Like tornado comes, just picks it up off the ground. Now right. that bank or that financial institution is out of that that money that you were supposed to pay back for the next 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. So when they say we need property insurance, we need flood insurance, of course, in Florida, it's based off of zones, which, which have changed recently, right? So if you're in a flood zone, obviously you need flood insurance. Is it advised if you don't, if you're not, Flood zone, should you still get flood insurance?
1: So, What's technically, your... everybody's in a flood zone.
0: <laughs> True, so uh, True. it's
1: just whether or not you're within the one in 100 year okay. floodplain. And a lender is only going to require flood insurance if you're in A or V zones. Yeah, okay. uh, there was a statistic I don't, I haven't seen the latest update, but 60% of all flood losses occur outside of your high risk flood zones. So, Whoa, dropping so. knowledge. <laughs> I know. So, those people that don't think they're in a flood zone, because we hear about it all the time, mm-hmm. we inform them and try to educate them that they are in a flood zone. It's just the likelihood of them flooding is a lot less than somebody that lives in Treasure Island. Right. Um, but that being said, the one thing that we're constantly having to overcome on the insurance side is when we're selling a policy, nobody ever thinks they're going to have to file a claim. So, you know,
0: just the thing you have to do,
1: right. People want the cheapest coverage that's out there. Obviously insurance rate or, um, interest rates are higher, home prices are higher. And the one thing that somebody can really change on the new home purchase or property purchase is insurance. Mm -hmm. So at the time of a closing, you know, we try to educate as much as possible, but a lot of people want to go with, uh, whether it's a higher deductible and that's Mm -hmm. just. A lot of people don't even understand this at a time of a claim, but your deductible is your responsibility for the claim. So if you're talking about a water leak or a water loss, deductibles are anywhere from a thousand to $2,500. So that's what you have to come out of pocket. And the insurance company, until the the
0: insurance company starts paying Mm -hmm, up
1: to the policy limits. And then you have hurricane deductibles, which those take into consideration an actual hurricane. That comes and does damage to your property. And that's a percentage deductible. So if the value of your home is $200,000, your most typical deductible is 2%. You've got to come out of pocket for grand. And then the insurance company picks up the rest up to the policy limits. So, um, you have home insurance and you have flood insurance. They're two separate things. And, uh, if you're in a high risk area, you do have to purchase both of them. Flood is rising water from the outside in mm-hmm. and your home is really going to cover anything else that happens to your home. That, uh, really isn't anything thats is like like intentional fire or uh, insurance policy also doesn't cover wear and tear. So anything that is a sudden loss is going to be covered. So you're talking the most prevalent claim is water damage. So that's a pipe that's bursting, breaking, leaking, Not from seeping. flooding
0: or a storm. Correct.
1: Okay. Yeah. the most The most common insurance claim is water, so that's what, um, especially in this state as well. They want to make sure that all of your plumbing and everything is good. I don't want to go too far down I in the weeds with about underwriting. <laughs> so,
0: um,
1: but Stop yeah, we me now. Yeah, uh, don't don't let me nerd out over here on insurance. <laughs> okay. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day. The insurance policies that the state of Florida authorizes insurance companies to sell are almost all identical. There's very, very few nuances in the policy. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're being underwritten by an admitted carrier in the state of Florida, you're going to have a lot of very standard coverages, which people need, mm-hmm. uh, that will protect them at the time of a loss.
0: Okay. And in addition to the education that you provide other insurance companies provide, I also was doing some research and I wanted to bring light to this resource. And I'm curious if this is something that you direct clients or people to, um, but I just found out about it. So it's actually III.org, triple I. Um, But what this is, is the Insurance Information Institute, and they're a US-based association, which exists solely to what they have in their website, is quote, improve public understanding of insurance, what it does, and how it works. And they're quoted in the media quite a bit as a credible, unbiased, reputable source. I have never heard of them, (laughs) ironically enough. (laughs) But is this a resource that you direct people to? Is it something that you you and your company, your colleagues, look to frequently or, you know, just like realtors, we look to, you know, realtors.org or the MLS or, you know, different associations that we have.
1: Yeah. I'm not too familiar. I've heard of that one. I'm not too familiar with it. Uh, as far as routing clients that want to really delve deep down into like insurance knowledge or policy or what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Most of the times, that's where we build the relationship. Right. So we have a conversation with them to let them know, uh, because surprisingly, most people just forget everything that you tell them anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's just our job to make sure that they're protected, and then just to notify them. You know, we want to be uh, is um quick to help them out. When we know that something is potentially happening. A good example is a hurricane is coming. It's very important. And we, uh, blast all of our clients with emails and our social media, letting them know what to do at the time of a claim when a storm or a catastrophic event is happening. So we post all of the insurance companies claim numbers. We post, uh, we we are on the phone all the time, issuing, uh, letting people know what their policies are, their policy numbers, and then what to do in the event of a claim. Cause really at that time, everybody's pretty much freaking out Mm -hmm. because they don't really know what to do and they're trying to make sense of what's going on and they want everything to be taken care of very, very quickly. So we're more or less, um, providing our clients a promise to help them throughout these times. And that's kind of what we do when we're selling a policy. Again, most people don't think that they're ever gonna use their insurance policy. So they don't pay attention to what we have to say, but they really do listen to us when there's a catastrophic event that's coming. So that's kind of where we earn our money is when that's happening. So we really wanna help a client out at that point because okay. any other time like those insurance, you know, very, very, very few people wanna sit down and learn what their insurance insurance. policy yeah or figure out you know what their policy means yeah uh but what we tell people to just kind of like calm them down again in the state of florida is the state regulates everything Mm -hmm. so if an insurance company is approved by the state of florida they have to jump through so many hurdles and they're so um heavily regulated that the policy is going to provide them coverage eventually hopefully sooner rather than later but the state is going to make sure that the insurance company does what it's supposed to do in a loss
0: you mentioned that earlier that some of these insurance companies are mainly small there was just one have you heard of Main sale mm-hmm. that just came into the market so there's like some big dogs out there that we all know about what what is the difference that you see going with somebody that's been around right is it financial stability as opposed to like a newer insurance company that's small like main is out of tarpon I think. Right.
1: Right. So what you're going to see, because um, we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but there was legislation that was passed that made it more favorable for insurance companies to want to come into the market versus leave the market. Was Uh,
0: this the 2A bill mm -hmm. that we talked about? Yep. Senate
1: 2A and uh, 2D. So um, that's one caveat. Uh, The other is reinsurance, which we'll also talk. That's why insurance rates are so high. We had a lot of fraud that was going on in our industry and then reinsurance rates went up quite a bit. So insurance premiums skyrocketed and citizens, which is our state run insurance company became the largest insurance company in the state, which they do not want to be. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of very good business within the state. So what's going to happen over the next couple of years is you're going to see quite a few companies come into the market, but what they're going to do is they're just going to start taking policies out of citizens. So where we write business, you have a client that is under contract on a property. You're going to contact Heather. Heather's going to provide you with quotes with carriers that are actively writing business. We're already technically appointed with companies right now that are appoint that are insuring homes in the state of Florida. But we can't write a policy with them. They're just taking policies out from citizens and they're going to pay a claim if something happens to that policy, but we can't write with them. Now, loggerhead is one of those companies, but as they get bigger, they'll probably get to a point where you can start writing business. So you have tail row, main loggerhead. Nobody's ever heard of these companies. They're not the state farm, all states that you typically hear those, uh, that we call those captives. They don't really want to write in this because it's. Florida's just crazy.
0: What define writing? Like if how a client would understand that.
1: So, um,
0: and maybe it might help <clears throat> to So Florida strategic, when I go to them, I say, Hey, my client is getting to the point where they're going to need insurance and to make a decision. You guys work with 40 plus mm-hmm. insurance companies that are still writing policies, right? For clients, or is that not the lingo.
1: No, 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 no. that <laughs> Tell is <me> the lingo. <laughs> so we we're appointed with a lot of companies. Okay. Because there's been uh so much turbulence in our market. Mm-hmm. Probably the best word to use for that. That's a good. They slowed down on writing any new business. So okay. to be able to qualify with some of the insurance companies it's almost impossible. Oh, like, right,
0: and we're in hurricane season so trying to get a policy anyway people have stopped
1: is, no, uh, if that? there's a if there's a storm that comes close or that looks like it's gonna come and hit Florida, they'll restrict binding. So you can't. It's like somebody that we'll say an investor owns like 20 properties mm-hmm. in Florida and they've never carried insurance on it, but all of a sudden one day before a Category Five is about like, to hit, they're like, "Yeah,
0: insurance yeah, now yeah, I'll at that pay point, anything." That's not really insurance. That's <laughs> it, just uh, yeah. passing
1: the buck. So uh, they they close off binding so that you know it's not technically. It's insurance. just
0: securing your policy, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So if you um, even if you have a, a home that's under contract and somebody's looking to close this Friday, the 15th, and there's a storm that's coming, we'll bind the policy today to make sure that it's effective on the 15th mm-hmm. so that there's no issue. We won't wait till the 15th to bind the policy because there, if there is a storm that closes the market, then that person can't close because technically they don't have insurance on their house. Right. So um, when you're talking about an insurance company writing business, we actively write as an agency. So, you can consider us to be like a broker. We're signed up with a lot of different insurance companies around the state. And when we get an opportunity to quote a property, we're going to find the best option for that property and that risk and present it to your clients. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully, we can help them out. The insurance company is just, they want as much risk as they can take based upon how they've structured their business. But these companies that are coming into the state of Florida right now, they're The easiest path to entry for them to get a lot of policies is just to take them from citizens. So citizens has hundreds of thousands of policies that they don't want to write. So these insurance companies, if you're going to come in, even if we're writing a thousand policies a month as an agency, Mm -hmm. they can just go straight to citizens. And they'll say like, I want 25,000 policies. And so then they go through and that's how insurance companies kind of start at least in Florida, that was kind of like the last time that happened. That's how heritage and homeowners choice got started as companies. And now they're companies that are actively writing business where they were initially just takeout carriers. So that's what you're going to see first for these smaller carriers.
0: So it's like two insurance companies trading and just being like, Hey, I don't want these 25,000. Policies right. or so these clients, right? Essentially these clients, I'm gonna give them to you mm-hmm. and you can fund them or
1: well, yeah. So you have to think citizens is the state-run insurance company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The they don't have to adhere to the same guidelines that a private insurance carrier has to adhere to. A private insurance company has to buy insurance. It's called reinsurance. So let's say that Hurricane Adalia is coming and the insurance company has a hundred million dollars worth of exposure well they don't have a hundred million dollars on hand to pay for claims if they have a total loss so they do what's called buying reinsurance that covers them for a hundred million dollars and then their deductible is let's say five million or ten million dollars wow yeah so that's so the insurance companies have to buy insurance and then it's crazy you know it's just like you can go down a really america (laughs) america (laughs) now citizens which is the state-run insurance company mm-hmm. doesn't have to adhere to the same rules as a private insurance carrier, so they don't have to carry the same amount
0: because they're the big dog.
1: No, because they're a government agency. Mm-hmm. So what they can do is is they can assess every policyholder if there's a loss that it goes over and above what they have in the form of their reserves. So that's where there's an assessment that they can assess people. They say up to forty-five percent of your insurance premium. So if you're paying a thousand dollars, they can assess you another $450 if they run out of money.
0: Premium is the annual total mm-hmm. that you have to pay for insurance. It's not necessary. correct. Okay.
1: Yeah. And then the assessment is just no other private carrier can just assess you if they don't make money, but citizens can, if they don't adequately have the amount of money to pay for claims. So the state of Florida, could look really bad, and our elected officials could look bad if they're holding the bag with all of these insurance policies. And we have a huge storm that happens, and all of a sudden, citizens start sending out these assessments, like, "Hey, we need money from you," and that, so
0: in order to cover a possible loss from no,
1: no, no, this is after the loss has occurred. So citizens does have billions of dollars to pay for claims, but okay. they also have tens of billions of dollars of exposure. So they don't have all of the money to pay if something were to happen. But where Citizens is right now, their rates are artificially low. That Mm -hmm. means the private market can't compete with them because it costs the private market more money to just stay in business than it does for citizens to write a policy. So that's why the private market kind of stopped writing business, which a lot of people think that the private market's just pulling out of the state of Florida. But if I was to tell you, hey, Lindsey, I want you to give me um, $100 um, and I'm only going to make $50 off of that, or I'm, I'm going to lose $50 on the 150 because it costs me $150 to stay in business. Why would I even want to get $100 from you if it costs me $150 for you to so give me? So
0: you're saying that what they do is after a dahlia comes and say, I have a property, there's something, something happened, what it like, say a pipe broke, right? Because we're talking about property insurance, right?
1: Well, Adalia, like we're, we're talking about the catastrophic loss now. So we're talking hurricanes. So, okay, let's say so if
0: something happened to my property and I'm like, Hey, this happened, I need money to fix it. Right. Like based on my premium, based on what's my coverage limit based on everything, right? Like, how mm-hmm. can you help me? You come back to me as citizens and say, well, in order to help you, I need what like a hundred, two hundred extra dollars, just for example's sake.
1: So they never make it easy. So they can assess. We definitely you. have heard that yeah.
0: in the media, um, especially after the last hurricane. Where was it in South, by like Sanibel, or a little bit closer, where it really hit the South. Are you talking of about Florida,
1: Ian? Yeah. Yeah, Hurricane Ian. Yes,
0: where people still have tarps over their homes if you go down there because. Like you said earlier, insurance companies are kind of pushing to close it Mm -hmm. quickly, right? Like, okay, you only need this much money. And then people realize they actually need more, right? Like the insurance companies want to close these claims as quick as possible. You're saying in this case, sometimes what can happen is that assessment comes.
1: So what would happen in this time is the citizens would pay a claim. So they, whatever the amount is of the loss, they would pay it. What they just have the ability to do where 10 companies in the last two years have gone out of business cause they've ran out of money. So once the insurance company runs out of money, the state steps in cause you're paying for the Florida guarantee fund, the state steps in and helps pay those claims. Got it. So citizens is not going to go out of business cause they can't run out of money because they have us to pick up the bill. Mm-hmm. So if they have to pay extra amounts of money at the end of the day, they'll pay the claim. They're just going to come back to us. And they can do certain several rounds to get the to recoup the money that they lost. Okay. And we explain that to our, to the clients. But let's say um, here's a here's a good example. So we're selling a policy to one of your clients on the private market, and the policy premium that there were that's outside of citizens citizens is a thousand dollars a year. Company private company A is two thousand dollars a year. Well, somebody's going to say like. I'm never going to file a claim. So I, I want to save a thousand bucks. I want to go with citizens mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, it meets the guideline. They're more than 20% and that's the, the best option. So we'll write you as citizens citizens has the ability to assess, let's say up to 45% of your policy premium. So let's say they run out of money. We have a hurricane Andrew and a Hurricane Irma hit the state of Florida the same year and completely wipes out most of Florida citizens. Doesn't have enough money to cover all of their exposure. So once they fix that, once they get loans, however that works, um, that thousand dollar policy, they're going to pay your claim, but then they're going to come back and they're going to say, Hey, Lindsay, you now owe us 450 bucks. Cause we're going to have to assess you that 45%. And we tell everybody that, but a lot of people don't really realize that. But then again, at the end of the day, even if we assess you 45%. So 450 bucks, mm-hmm. still $550 less expensive than the private than, market. Right. So we're just hopeful that since the legislation has been passed and hopefully we don't have any storms, reinsurance rates go down, these private markets are going to become very competitive to citizens. So that's kind of what we're hoping over the next, that's what I think is going to happen over the next like 18 months.
0: So interesting. And I'm so glad you gave that analogy because it's very enlightening. Mm -hmm. On how this whole system works right because it is a system at the end of the day people businesses are protecting themselves as well Mm -hmm. Just the way that it goes Um, Someone did have a question. I put a little question box on my Instagram feed the other day And so some questions came through and one of them was How you know someone who comes to you for insurance? They're gonna rely on you to vet these different companies, but is there any? sort of fail safe that prevents these companies from taking a client's money for insurance and if they do go bankrupt they just don't have money what about that premium that was paid for the rest of the year how can they give that money back when they ran out of money you know is there anything that protects the clients
1: yes so again the i would it would be hard for me to believe that there's another industry in the state of Florida that's as regulated as the insurance industry. Okay. So uh, the insurance companies that we write with as an agency are for the most part admitted. It means that the state of Florida has given these companies the blessing and are protecting them at the time of a loss. Okay. So the state of Florida has the, a guarantee fund that every insurance company pays a very small portion in into that if for whatever reason any company goes insolvent during a contract period the state of florida will step in and pay a claim now there are limitations on the claim like they'll pay a claim upwards of five hundred thousand uh, dollars for the actual dwelling and there's other sublimits, but it's not really important mm-hmm. um, but the state of florida is stepping in to help out These people, I mean, and it's, uh, it should make people sleep a little bit easier at night to know that they're not really going to get taken advantage of. It might make the claim a little bit more difficult in the end, but the state, you know, as long as you're dealing with an admitted carrier is going to uh, provide that coverage. Now there are what's called excess and surplus lines, carriers, which a lot of the high value homes that citizens won't write. Citizens won't write coverage for any home that's $700,000 or more in value. So you've got to find options for those clients above and beyond that, which is pretty difficult at this point, Mm -hmm. but there's very, very few admitted market options. They're very expensive, even if they're willing to write it. But if not, you have to go, what's called the excess and surplus lines company. Now these companies are not backed by the state of Florida. So for whatever reason, they go insolvent, There's not really that much that you can do, but there are, um, I'll give you an example. I'm sure you've heard of this company. They have thousands of syndicates. They're the oldest insurance company in the world. Lloyd's of London. Mm -hmm. Lloyd's of London is an excess and surplus lines carrier. They are not backed by the state of Florida or the guarantee fund, but they have a lot more financial power. (laughs) They have so much more financial power than even the state of Florida has. So when you're writing a policy with them, you know, they have not basically gone bankrupt where they can't I have write so a policy. Many questions. <laughs> yeah, so the, and they're also rated by agencies like AM Best. So you, you know, okay. when we we work with brokers as an agency that goes to the excess and surplus lines market, mm-hmm. and they vet all of these companies to make sure that they're financially stable enough to be able to pay for any of the exposure that they have in Florida.
0: Okay, now what about being self-insured? What does this mean, and is it part of that? Second, like the Plan B mm-hmm. that well, we're talking about, or is this like a Plan It is self-insured is just what you're is, taking the risk. Yeah. So so all insurance. Self-insured is. literally just means that you're not going to get in a policy, and if something happens, you pay for it.
1: Yeah.
0: It's literally it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's. Are you seeing
0: that happen often?
1: Uh It's mainly in will we'll do Seven hundred
0: thousand dollar and above properties.
1: Not as much as you'd think. A lot of them are insuring the property. Uh, What we've seen with some of the clients as well is if somebody's not gonna insure the property, they're at least going to insure liability. So that's just, if somebody hurts themselves on their property, that's a very, very inexpensive coverage. Like you can buy a million dollars worth of coverage for two to $300 in a lot of situations. So even if they're not gonna insure the home, let's say that you have a home that's a brand new poured concrete structure that's, you know, concrete floors and, uh, while,
0: concrete box. <laughs> yeah,
1: basically, but it's got good finishes, but it's got hurricane protection. It's got all these different features that are built into the home and it's a million dollar rebuild for this home. Guy gets a quote for an insurance policy and we've seen some of them that are like this and it's like your policy is $75,000 for the year. And the person's like 75 grand a year for this, like the. I'm not going to have the likelihood of me having a loss that's over. That is crazy. And I'm just gonna be paying 75 grand. If I pay that policy for 10 years, that's Mm -hmm. $750,000. That's crazy. I'll just put that money in the bank. And you know, if you don't have a loan on your home, you can do that. You can start thinking of all these options where a lot of people are stuck. Is that when they have a lender that's involved with it, they have to purchase insurance on their property. Right. And if they don't keep insurance on their property, the lender's going to force place coverage on them. And that coverage really isn't good and really doesn't benefit.
0: That's PMI or what? Um, what's that?
1: No. Called? So um, the the PMI is just mortgage interest, like insurance. If you default on the loan because you didn't have enough equity that was put into the property, the uh, the force placed insurance is the lender is gonna make mm. sure that they insure, they they wanna make sure that they don't have a, a loss on right. an asset that they purchased. Right. So they're only going to cover the property itself. They're not gonna, if there was a hurricane that came through and it was devastating like Fort Myers and Hurricane Ian and you're not able to live in your home anymore, do you have a loss of use coverage in your policy? So say you have a $400,000 coverage a amount in your policy, you have $40,000 to find living arrangements while your property is being fixed. If you have force place coverage, you don't have any of that insurance.
0: I'm sure most people truly don't even know what they have
1: right. in no, their they don't. insurance. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: what if they wanted to come to you and like, would you talk through it with them?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, happy to just, okay. you know lot of people if you, you say know, you're not
0: <laughs> on the podcast be careful what you wish for
1: no as far as just he'll
0: take your two and a half hours of your time yeah that's time right that
1: yeah how much time you have
0: <laughs> okay good to know
1: yeah so um, that's something
0: you guys definitely want to look for obviously we're in hurricane season so if you have an item within your policy that gives you the capability to be put up somewhere right if you can't stay in your home i mean you go throughout the neighborhoods and i didn't want to just say only Shore acres suffered from flooding Clearwater at North beach did there's so many different places around Pinellas County and Tampa Bay, um, in the state of Florida that have issues going on, but check out your policies. It's critical. You're paying for it. They're
1: active. Make sure your policies are active because that's where forced placed insurance will automatically kick in. If your policies lapsed, it's just not going to really provide. It'll provide a benefit to the actual structure of your home, but there are a lot of things that most people don't even think about when a loss Mm -hmm. actually occurs. That insurance can help you out with. So that's kind of where uh, it is built into the policy. All the admitted policies have it built in there. Almost every single excess and surplus lines policy has that in there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just one of the coverages, but it's one of the most important that a lot of people in Shore Acres thought they had with their flood policy, but didn't. Didn't. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And let's talk about the fraud situation here because doing my research, I was blown away. I think a lot of people have the idea that insurance companies are pulling out because like in California, wildfires or here, hurricanes, right? And these massive storms, but it's actually the claims in some of the litigation that is making these insurance companies pull out. So talk to us about some things that you've heard about, some things that you've seen when it comes to the fraud side.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's not that they're pulling out of the state. They're just going bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> they're going out of business um so
0: y'all and your fraudulent claims
1: yeah so uh everybody that got a brand new free roof um probably was a part of that Uh, whether or not they implicitly knew that that was what was going on i mean what are we talking about so somebody comes by your door and just knocks on your door Mm -hmm. and this happened um over the last few years and they just said hey um we just replaced your neighbor's roof and it costs them little to no money out of pocket. And we see that your roof's a little bit older. It's probably got storm damage. We can get you a brand new free roof as well. All you have to do is sign this contract. Stop. That's fraud. Um, th- That itself, you know, what? yeah. That itself is not technically fraud. Maybe they do have storm damage. But technically, when you have storm damage, you're going to find out about it when the damage occurs. Very unlikely that it's going to be months or years later right. that all of a sudden some roofing contracting company or public adjuster. Just swings on by, let
0: me give you a free roof.
1: I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, and it was getting pretty bad because we even saw, um, one of our, uh, in one of our insureds took a video of a guy on his roof with a weed whacker (laughs) like getting the shingles. (laughs) Weed
0: whacking the roof, the shingles?
1: Yeah. Just getting, the you know, getting some granular loss, getting some broken shingles and whatnot, um, so that he could get a free roof. So, um you know it hmm. that is an extreme case but what happened in the state of florida was um contractors public adjusters and attorneys not all of them a very very few select group of these very um non upstanding uh, individuals and companies found a loophole in an insurance contract to turn it into a home warranty and what they would do is is they would go and if somebody's gonna offer you a free roof and you've got an older roof, would you Heck wanna come yeah. out of pocket twenty thousand dollars or would you wanna just come out of pocket twenty five hundred dollars? And even in some cases, they were saying you don't have to come out out of pocket at all. We're going to if you let us put a sign in your yard, we'll basically call that advertising and we'll take that twenty five hundred dollars off of your roof. So then they got a brand new roof, no money out of pocket. So, you know, there are a lot of people that are just like, sign me up.
0: And then they got the whole neighborhood.
1: Yeah. And you can justify anything. I've been paying insurance my whole life and it's never really paid for anything. Yeah. And so what happened on the back end, what they don't really know is, is there was something called assignment of benefits. And so these fraudulent contractors, that had partners with public adjusters and attorneys, they would then immediately get the contract signed Mm -hmm. and then hand it over to the law firm and the law firm would file a lawsuit against the insurance company. No, 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 no. So one of the insurance companies that's actually still in business, they said in uh, 2022, they averaged 26 lawsuits a day. So if you just think about that, they're not the biggest insurance company, they're a a medium decent sized insurance company, but they averaged 26 lawsuits a day. And almost all of it was the roof fraud. I think that I've heard advertised, we have the largest attorney's office in the country in Florida. Weird how that happens. So strange. Yeah, it is really strange how that happens. And it's probably going to happen where a lot of these attorneys firms or going to lose or lay off quite a few of their people just because of what happened with the legislative changes. So, um, there's th- other
0: ways to get a new roof, right? Well, <laughs> <should> in,
1: <laughs> and right now it's uh, it's pretty impossible to yeah. go that, that previous route. Mm. So that, uh, a lot of that fraud, it just inflated the cost of the claim. The, uh, attorney's fees were paid by the insurance company and they had a fee multiplier that would be assessed by a judge or whomever was ruling on the case. So let's say that a, a, an attorney charged a hundred dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, it was looked upon in the past that attorneys really didn't want to work on insurance cases. Right. So there was a law that was put in that an, an, attorney could charge a fee multiplier so that hundred dollars an hour, they could charge two times that. So they could charge $200 an hour, $300 an hour to represent this case. And so, you know, a $10,000 roof was costing insurance companies three times. No, over a hundred thousand dollars. Oh God. So then multiply that by 26 a day, multiply that by, we had 10 insurance companies going out of business all the while reinsurance. Broke. Yeah. Well, then you think reinsurance costs went up on average 60% last year, 70% this year. So insurance companies just, you know, their margins are pretty tight. They have to come out of pocket to pay claims. Mm-hmm. So claims can be anywhere from a good, like a strongly ran insurance company from like 20 to 30%. So 20% of the 20 to 30% of the money so that I they take all in. all their business,
0: 20 mm-hmm. or 30% are putting in claims. 20%.
1: 20 to 30% of the money they take in in your premium mm-hmm. let's say is allocated to claims. Got it. But then they have to run a business, so they have to have infrastructure, employees, you know, they pay insurance agents commission like us to sell the policy, and then they also have to buy reinsurance. And reinsurance is costing 40 to 60% more, you know, of their the dollar that they bring in as well. So if they're paying out 40 cents for a dollar on um, the claims, then they're paying 60 cents on the dollar for reinsurance. Well, now they have no money. So now they still have to pay for infrastructure. They still have to pay for all these different things. And that's just kind of what happened in Florida, which is why a lot of these carriers went out of business.
0: I'm gonna start a real in insurance <laughs> <No>. podcast, <laughs> yeah. the real. So this stigma, and this is where we'll kind of wrap up, but like this stigma about insurance companies, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Everyone has a stigma about something until they need it, right? Like, oh, I've been paying for insurance, health insurance, whatever it is, right? For years and years and years and never have had to use it. And then the one time you do need to use it, where does this stigma come from? Is it lack of knowledge? Is it like what what action can you take in your industry? Like I'm trying to take in mine to like provide people the knowledge, even if they don't want to hear it, right? Like we're going to send this podcast out. People are going to listen to it. But how have you tried to reduce the stigma of insurance in general?
1: Conversations like this, are yeah. the best avenue where you have kind of a long form for, to have a conversation about it, mm-hmm. but really at the end of the day, I, you can, it, it makes sense that they have a bad stigma. I mean, they're providing basically help for you that you may not never ever need. Mm-hmm. So you're literally paying somebody for air and paper. Yeah, that's what most people think insurance is. And then when you actually have a claim, it sucks. Nobody wants a claim like you're something's happened. That's put you out and it never really happens at the most opportune times right. it's going to happen in an unopportune time. So, you know, at that point, you know, you have to get an adjuster involved that has to come out there that might not happen for a few days. So, you know, now all of a sudden you're thinking about every, do they even care about me? Like what's going on? You know? So the, the thing that we try to help people when we explain things to them about their policy, it's just try to be as proactive as possible you know, know that things do happen. Make sure that you do have money. If you need to stay somewhere else, the insurance company will reimburse you. Uh, but if you're living, you know, with sadly, a lot of people are, and you don't have any extra money and all of a sudden you can't be in your house, but you don't have your credit cards maxed out and you can't go to a hotel. You know, now you're stuck. And now the right? insurance company is terrible because why didn't they just pay everything right away? And, you know, there's, there's just there's um, steps and procedures that everybody has to go through, and eventually things will get taken care of. But the insurance company's not going to look, you know, phenomenal. In some instances, they do. Like you'll see uh, companies that come in and they have disaster relief, where they'll provide as much stuff as they can, mm-hmm. but they can't be specific a lot of times to people. So you know, there's a lot of things that happen as far as you know, all the stuff that happens within a claim and you know, it's just more frustrating than anything else. So the insurance companies are trying and not every attorney is bad. That's in that lawsuit that helped out people. There are mistakes that insurance companies make and not every insurance company is always acting in the best, you know, in in the light. So, you know, we try to do what we can to always help our clients and we've been able to do that. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can just continue to do that for a while.
0: You definitely have been. <laughs> All right. This is kind of a creative question. I would just want to know where your brain's at. But this is where I kind of think on the innovative side. Last question. So mm-hmm. hopefully it's a good one. But as we kind of continue down this journey in America and where we're going with innovation in general, um, we're seeing this and it might be a terrible comparison, but in the healthcare industry where you know, we've had insurance for so long and, right, we don't use it till we have a problem. Well, let's think of health insurance now as more preventative. What can we do to actually prevent these issues from happening, right, health-wise? On the property insurance side, do you see the industry changing at all? Kind of like healthcare is shifting a little bit? Is there anything that would make insurance better, right? Like maybe more financially stable? Is
1: yeah, I mean anything? <clears throat> Let me know your thoughts. Absolutely. So technology helps with everything. So some insurance companies are trying to be proactive. So they have water detection devices. Water is the most prevalent claim. They have water detection devices that you can put underneath your hot water heater, underneath your washer, Mm. underneath your dishwasher. And that will immediately notify you via an app or a loud siren or whatnot that there's water that's leaking so that's going to immediately stop a claim there's even some of these devices that can get hooked on um, as long as you put it to your water main as well that will shut off your water main if that device is, you know, is like triggered. So, I mean, that's definitely, again, I said water's the most prevalent claim. Uh, Building codes are very strict, especially in Florida. You're not seeing a lot of newer homes get nearly as much damage as the older homes. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about shore acres and flooding. Those homes are built Let's see, I think the current base flood elevation height in shore acres is nine feet. The city of St. Petersburg will not issue a new certificate of occupancy or a permit. If the living floor is not 11 feet in in these areas. So even though it's nine feet for the base flood elevation height, the city is not allowing anything to be built where there's a living floor lower than 11 feet. Well, if you bought a home that was built in the fifties, that's yep. three feet there's not really much that, that can be done right. at that point. You know, that the end of the day, the best thing that you'd be able to do is like, sorry, knock, knock your house down or make the bottom floor non-living space and build up. But that's, you know, that's a pretty expensive solution. So there are some things that are changing the industry to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is just like, being knowledgeable, we live in Florida, we're surrounded by water, we have catastrophic events. there are things you can do to protect your roof or your house yeah. so um, being proactive versus reactive is definitely the best.
0: Right to prevent the damage that could have been you know been caused yeah I like the sensors that's, in, that's pretty cool:
1: yeah there's I mean there yeah. are insurance companies that we write with that will literally give them provide yeah, they'll give yeah. them because for them, let's say it cost them 150 bucks. Well, a water damage claim is at least going to cost them 10 grand, if not more. So if you do the math and you say, I'm going to have X amount of water claims, shoot.
0: Or it could have been, you know, leaking for five hours and then you have more damage if it's two-story or whatever it is. it's
1: always, there's always something.
0: Gosh, so enlightening, Michael. Thank you so much for coming by. Like I said, I love using you guys. You've been nothing but incredible so far. So we'll put um, the contact information below. They can contact you or Heather.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, happy to help in any way we can.
0: Yeah. You want to give them a little um, insight, how they can reach out to you. Sure. Email. Yes. Website. I'm
1: I'm actually going to give you Heather's contact information because she, one of the reasons why she's not here today is because she is so busy. That she's just, she wants to make sure that she's very, um, attentive to all the needs of the people that she works with. So, um, her email address is Heather P at FL com, And her phone number is eight, one, three, seven, 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 two, seven, two, eight. She has, um, Peter Vosti and Dewald gals, which are her counterparts that mm-hmm. work with her and all they're trying to do is uh, exceed the expectation they set with yeah. you. So, um. They're looking forward to continuing to help.
0: Oh, good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Bye.